All right. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I am your host, John Harris, and today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have No Light Escapes, and they have a new album called The Purity of Grief. Purity of Grief. I had a lot of grief saying that one. I'm sorry, guys. There was a purity in it, though. And it was released on May 5th. Right now, I'm being joined by Peter and Harry to share some more information about uh, this release and what they got going on. And uh, the other cool thing, too, uh, Harry, is I was chatting with Peter about the music video because uh, I remember watching the music video. It's a killer video. I dig it a lot. And we're going to get to uh, the brass tacks on that one. So, boys, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. You are welcome. I dig your haircut. I'm also jealous because uh, in Edmonton, we are not permitted to get haircuts at salons at the moment. That's unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> we, we're that, That's still open, thankfully, but uh got to wear masks, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if that's all you got, then I mean, shit, I should move to Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is closed, though. No, oh. no restaurants, no nothing. Oh. I mean, compared to Edmonton, we got it pretty well. I was talking to uh, <laughs> John. Not, not in gas prices, we don't. <laughs> that is certainly true. You know, I will. I will always uh, commend Alberta on at least that. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, we're not here to talk about gas prices. Let's talk about uh, the music. That's right. Yes. Absolutely, it's a good thing you're here because it got us back on track to chat about uh, this album. So, take us through the purity of grief. Is this? A concept album about maybe the five stages of grief? Um, in terms of the lyrical themes, I'm not the one to ask about that. Uh, our singer Curtis wrote all of the lyrics and the themes about that. So he does have some sort of uh, theme, but I wouldn't do it justice trying to explain it. So unfortunately, I can't answer that question. Oh. Well, I, I anticipated that question and I asked Curtis about it. Oh, there <laughs> you go. Thank you, Peter. You're prepared. Uh, I like Peter. Yeah. It, Lyrically, it is uh, a concept album about five stages of grief. Uh, musically, we just kind of went all over the place. Uh, lyrically, it ties it together. Okay. Musically, you said mentioned you went all over the place. Um, that I can answer. Okay. And then, of course, obviously, uh, with Harry, I want to know what questions can you answer so that I know what questions <laughs> to ask. Um, I mean, ask anything, and then if I can't answer it, hopefully Peter has my back. <laughs> Groovy. Okay, so we know Peter plays the guitar. I saw him in the music video. Harry, what do you do again? I'm the guitar player as well, the other one. Oh, no. You got two of us. I know. This is like two male hamsters in a cage. It never ends well. <laughs> yeah, no, you, got, you got kind of shit on him this interview, unfortunately. I, I sure did. At this point, I'm even hoping for the bass player. And who hopes for the bass player? <laughs> <laughs> the amount of jokes, bass player jokes that we have in this band is, uh, yeah, you'd fit right in. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. Now, okay, you said so you guys went all over the place. So take us through this record. One of the things that uh, came across my uh, desk was that you guys were able to work with the same producer as Spirit Box and Misery Signals. Yeah, Tim. Um, so we finished our last record and, you know, toured it a bit, and then we were ready to start doing the next one. Um, so Curtis and I were working on the songs and kind of just doing crappy little demos to get things done um, so we could show another producer. We wanted to work with a new producer, not because our last one wasn't a good guy, but um, he, I guess, kind of, I think he stopped producing. He kind of had a family and was busy, so mm -hmm. we were looking uh, for another guy. 
And, um, you know, we had a lot of options to look through. And eventually we came across Tim. And then uh, I wasn't there for the meeting, but Curtis met with them. And uh, Curtis is like the biggest Misery Signals fan. So he comes in with uh, this like shirt, a Misery Signals shirt. And uh, they have a meeting with Tim, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm working on a record right now. And then I think that's pretty much what set it in stone. <laughs> okay. So we got pretty yeah, lucky. Yeah, there's a going back to that. Yeah, I mean, why a guy like Tim would want to work with a band like us is beyond me, but uh, we're very grateful that he chose to work with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what was the experience like then? Because it sounded like at least one person was going in there rather starry-eyed. Um, I mean, uh, I, I'm all, we're all so big. We're all big, big Misery Signal fans, all of us, but especially Curtis. So we were all pretty impressed. But, you know, the way that Tim came across, he's just very humble and down to earth. So it didn't feel like we were going like in a studio with some big, like larger than life entity. Mm-hmm. It was kind of just like a chill dude. Him and I uh, connected on a bunch of uh, similar topics, not just with music. So it was actually a very uh, easy experience. Okay. Like what? Minus like, the hundreds of takes that we had to take, but lots of takes. Yeah. <laughs> Always there's never enough. Yeah. Man. And also memes. Memes help us connect together. Say again? Memes. Uh, memes is oh, the reason yeah. us and Tim connect oh, yeah. really well as a band. Tim, Tim has a PhD in, in meme creation for sure. Very cool. What were some of the best memes that he came up with? Uh, oh, we we're not going to say. We can't, yeah, we're not going to say. <laughs> 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 no, definitely definitely cannot leave that room okay fan freaking tastic let's get down to uh guitar recording because if you do it right there are a lot of takes there's a lot of string changes there's a lot of tape and fuzzies and hair ties in places and and mm-hmm. producers coming in with their hand and doing stuff to your guitar while oh, you're playing and you know it's like beyond any of that man like every note um had to be recorded perfectly um we would tune the strings probably every almost every note every riff like it was it's something that i've never personally done myself so at first when i like the first day when i sat and i was like oh my god like what have we gotten ourselves into and then you know you trust the process you see what he's doing and it all comes together um as you can hear perfectly like there's nothing with this album that's wrong in my opinion uh past stuff that i've recorded with other bands and this one it's always like ah oh, that's good but i wish this was you know a little bit cleaner or you know i wish we you know, had a bit more time on this take. Whereas with Tim, it was like, we weren't leaving until everything was perfect. <laughs> was that a new experience for you guys? Uh, being, do I want to call it the microscope? Being under the microscope that much as a guitar player? Not so much. Like I've worked with other producers before um, who've like, you know, maybe re-record riffs, but Tim's process is much different. It's not so much like, let's get the riff perfect. It's like, let's make every note perfect. So it's, it's even more... <laughs> Uh, in depth for sure okay did you guys use any uh new hip happening technology like a evertune bridge or anything like that yes yes we did actually i never heard of one of those and he let me uh record some parts with that guitar and my god i was uh blown away how (laughs) it was just so effortless right that actually sped up the process a lot um so basically all of the uh six string stuff because he has a tim has a six string evertune so that really helped with a lot of the stuff. Um, but for the seven string stuff, he, uh, we had to use my crappy old regular guitar and, uh, that took forever, but actually he got, he, he told me recently that he bought a seven string. So the next record, I guess will be a lot, lot, uh, quicker to record now. Now, 
recently, because I felt like being unproductive, I started reading a bunch of guitar forum arguments about the Evertune bridge from people who didn't have one, but they had an opinion on it. And I thought, Mm -hmm. this seems like something I should absorb myself in for the next 20 minutes. And uh, it reminds me of a Floyd Rose, like a double locking Floyd Rose trim. And it seems like a lot of the similar arguments would be there as well. Like the tone might be different because you're losing wood from the body and... Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not too much of a gear expert to fully be able to answer that, but all I know is that you can set, like when I was there with Tim, um, you can set like the bridge, I guess you could say, to uh, affect like, so when you're playing a note, like sometimes you, like if you want to still bend, you can set the bridge enough so that you can still get bends, but if you want to be just like a perfect note, like you can set that thing so that even if you bend the string like fully, it's the note still stays the same. Like it's, it's weird. It's, I've never played a guitar like that before. It sounds like witchcraft. It's yeah, it's bizarre. Like, I don't know how, I mean, I, I, I've looked into it too. I kind of like see the technology, but I don't understand how they made that work. Yeah. I'm, I've watched a couple of their very boring videos. It, it's okay. almost, almost as bad as being at a fish concert. Um, if you remember the band fish, <laughs> can't say I do know Peter's laughing though. I think he does. <laughs> uh, first time in five years, I finally got a fish joke in there. Bam. Um, <laughs> And that, the other day at work, so I, I'm a chef by trade and we do um, like a fish and chips at our restaurant and somebody had wrote uh, fish on it, like P-H-I-S-H. And so I was like, whoa, yeah. I'm old. That's the first thing that came to mind was I'm old because I know the band Fish. Not like personally, but like I remember the band Fish. I have, Where were they from? Like, I don't even remember. Oh, that. let's look into it. Fish. <laughs> they call themselves a rock. Uh, the Internet calls them a rock band. I don't know. Maybe. Right. American rock band that formed in Vermont in 1983. Oh, yeah. It's from Vermont, but you expect it's going to be boring. I have to sit there and and watch my boss play that and pretend it's interesting. And if she ever hears this interview, I'm fired. That's how it's going to (laughs) go. I'm sorry. Well, it's okay. I don't think your boss is going to be giving a damn about our band, Peter. I don't think you know people who listen to Fish. I anyway. don't. I mean, I don't even know fish myself. So <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, cool. Yeah, I wanted to spend a little bit of time uh, chatting about uh, Tim because the thing that kind of threw me off for a second was the spirit box thing. And I recently had read some stuff and watched some stuff with uh, Daniel Brownstein out of L.A. who had worked with Spirit Box on Holy Roller. That was the song that really got. Yeah, them. that was a huge hit for them. Yeah. I. I uh, uh, we actually, it's kind of funny that you bring up Spearbox because since Tim's worked with them, the uh, the music video we're talking about, Cascade, we got uh, obviously another singer, but our original uh, like idea was to get Courtney in to mm-hmm. try it out. But, uh, you know, Spearbox being the level they are at, we couldn't afford <laughs> the, that extra cost, unfortunately. But I, I'm happy with uh, Alex. She did an amazing job. When Tim showed it to me, I was like, "What? who is this? Like, oh, my God. Um, because we always wanted like a female vocalist for that kind of slower ambient part. We thought it would fit in perfectly. And once Tim, like I, I just was like, you know, mind my own business. And then Tim sends me a recording. Me like, is this what you had in mind? And I was like, this is like 10 times better than what I had in mind. Like, what did you do? Yeah. Well then how did, how did you guys get in contact with her? How did that happen? Uh, fully Tim. It's just like, I got a friend I can ask her. Um, she doesn't really do uh, music anymore, but she would be probably down to just do something for fun. And so I guess she came into the studio, recorded it with Tim and 
I don't even know what she looks like. I've never met her before, uh, having spoken to her, <laughs> but her voice sounds very good. I, I enjoyed what she did. Mm-hmm. And so, so many other people have gotten lots of compliments um, from tons of friends and other people. And I was like, cool. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, she's not a part of the band, but if she ever wants to come play a show live with us, she's more than welcome. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, that kind of creates another question is, was the intention to have, I don't know, just a backing track live, exclude it live, have somebody come on who can That's, fill yeah, in? Yeah, I have no idea, honestly. Like, it, like, if she ever wanted to come, like, during a Vancouver uh, gig, for sure, um, I guess the backing track would maybe be the thing. Uh, another thing, too, I had an idea is, like, you could maybe um, have, like, a guitar playing, like, kind of the, the melody that she's singing and, like, make it into, like, a little solo, but... We haven't really gone that far yet, and uh, the world still needs to open up before we even <laughs> worry about that. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about it in twenty thirty. You want to talk yeah, about it? probably another ten years before live music yeah. is allowed to play again. That's right. She'll be a mom then. She won't want to leave the house. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna plug in here. Uh, if you want to hear her stuff, her project is called Port Crate Music. Uh, so yeah, it's really good stuff. It's not metal, but it's good stuff. I've actually, yeah, I need to check out more of her stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, from what I recall, probably listen really quick. Just vibing. Just vibing, baby. Because you guys have a lot of melody. So, I mean, music is music, and uh, uh, it's kind of interesting to just kind of dub it metal like there's no, no melody there. But, I mean, I think it's uh, really good. Uh, juxtaposition with her angelic, almost jewel-like voice. Again, I might be dating yeah, myself. It's perfect, man. Like I just wanted to have that just complete opposite of what the rest of the song was like, just to kind of give it a break. And the way we uh, ordered the songs in the album, too, it's kind of like a nice in-between point for people to kind of catch their breath. Mm-hmm. Did you guys do that with tempo as well? I didn't. I didn't really notice. But is it more of like a mid-tempo feel to kind of? Just... I think that whole song is like the same tempo. Honestly, actually, wait. I'm not sure about the tempo, but I know that that part goes into 4-4, four, four, whereas the rest of the song is in a 6-8 time. So there's definitely a different feel for sure. Okay. Now, for those out there who don't understand anything that you just said. <laughs> yeah, I went to capital, I went to a university for music, so I can if I get a little too advanced, please tell me to shut up. No, it's okay. Uh, we've all worked at a bar at one point in time. Just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. We were also chatting about your gear before you came on. Looks like a Kemper rig you got going on there, if you don't mind. Oh, I see the Helix head now. Um, are you modeling something that you would use in real life? Um, I found, so the for the like rhythm tones, I remember finding like the Freeman brown eye, and it just sounded like a great tone. Um, I've had that. I've been using the same tones probably for years now, so I haven't really changed much. Um, I'm not much of a huge, like, tone guy to be honest with you once i find something and i'm happy with it i just tend to stick with it uh yeah i don't like to waste too much time filling with tones i'm, I'm more of a composer kind of guy okay did you hear that peter he's a composer yeah he is i can't argue with that <laughs> uh, i mean if you look at the, the the album the guy wrote like most of the stuff so there's there's not arguing with that wow so then and this is a very silly question because it's a metal band but is this a guitar album? Do you write on piano? Do you write on acoustic guitar? How how we 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 write on Guitar Pro, um, <laughs> the software. We just kind of write and then figure out how to play it. 
And as we go along, we're just like, hey, this can be played. This, especially Curtis, being a vocal, he writes a lot of songs on guitar. Yeah, Curtis writes a lot. He'll write some obnoxious like leads and chords that just inhumanly yeah. possible to play. I'm basically and a reader. Yeah, that'll go to Harry, and then Harry fixes yeah. it up to be guitar-proof, like a guitar player yeah. to play it, and then the rest of us gets it. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, to answer that question, most stuff is written on guitar for sure. Um, sometimes I'll just have an idea and throw it in uh, yeah, Guitar Pro. We use that. It's just a really great program to be able to bounce ideas and riffs back and forth so that when we uh, go into like jam it out, we don't have to spend like that extra time being like, all right, play this fret. Then this, you know, it's like you get to actually learn the songs on your own time. Uh-huh. And in comes the bass player jokes. Lay them on me. What do we got? Oh, just about showing up to practice, having practice. Oh, oh Chris is probably the most... Uh, <laughs> no, he's, he's the most disciplined one in the band. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, we can rely on him learning. I'm the less reliable. Uh, he's the most. So yeah, Peter is actually a bass player deep down. Aww. Yeah, I'm well because I started off as a bass player. So for me to club uh, to jam session songs learned is against my against my religion. Player? Yeah, I actually started off oh, as a bass. Player. I never noticed. Uh, I didn't do that. Is that so? Then how did you end up in this outfit? Uh, getting your workout yeah, in on that's the, a question for Peter for sure. So he, uh, yeah, you can go ahead, Peter. This is all you. What, the or- origin of the band? Uh, I think that's what he's asking, yeah. Well, to, uh, a, to a degree, without getting too ad nauseum, but I mean, yeah. if you mention you're a, a bass guy, then why aren't you on well, bass? I, uh, I don't know. It's, just, uh, it's, it's cooler to be a guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. I don't know. It's it's basically, it's, uh, it's when I started listening to Pantera, I just got more into guitar playing. Dan Bagdaryl inspired a lot of guitar players, inspired me. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to play the solo for Cabins from Hell, uh, and that was it. Wow! Uh, yeah, Rex is a really good bass player, though. Yeah, but it's not dying back. Uh. Hmm. Okay. I, yeah, that's almost kind of a sad thing, eh? Like Rex is such a good guitar uh, uh, bass player, and it, nobody nobody cares about Rex. Poor Rex. I think the people who do, though, I definitely like appreciate it. Like he's like once you actually do a little bit of digging. Like, uh, I still haven't read it, but Curtis is always like, you need to read his biography. Like, it's incredible. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I know. I bought it too. It's just having, yeah, it. yeah, apparently it's awesome. So, like, the guy is definitely a legend. Yeah. Speaking of legends, let's chat more about No Light Escapes. One of the, uh, <laughs> who? Who? Fish? <laughs> you mean that Fish. band that used to be called Technical Damage? Oh. Um, cool. So, one it's of the, tra- there, but- that's right. Uh, one of the tracks you guys want to chat about was Phoenix. Uh, now I know you mentioned that, uh, lyrically you might not be able to chat too much about that, but one of the ones that was said like, Hey, let's chat about this, this track with Phoenix. What can you tell me about that song or why did you want to chat about it? I mean, I guess Peter, yeah, you go for it. I'll go, I'll go with the lyrical thing, what Curtis wrote about it. Uh, the entire album is very intense lyrically talking a lot about grief where Phoenix was intended to provide a sense of catharsis at the end of such an intense record. He basically wrote the song, the lyrics at least uh, about his wife and his sister. And musically I'll let Harry take over. It's his baby. Yeah. That one, uh, that's a thing. Of course you'd pick that song, Peter, to talk about. Um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting one, man. Like I started writing that back in 
2016, I think. And uh, it originally ended up like I, I, I ended up finishing it probably like two years later. So it was like just, you know, pieces. I would work on it. And um, it ended up being like around 11 minutes originally. And eventually we were just like, we got to cut that down. That's a little too long. Right. But uh, more or less the song, like I wrote it and I mean, we all go through dark moments in our life for sure. But uh, this is probably one of the, the more worst ones. And so, uh, the, the first half of it is like, you know, just like a kind of metal song and then it gets pretty angry and there's that really like sad piano part. So that kind of encompasses all the emotions that I was feeling uh, around that time. And then the ending is just kind of like uplifting and, um, it's basically just like my journey from, you know, going down and coming back up again. So that's the whole theme of the song, I guess you could say. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, sort of working on that in 2016. So is this album been in the works for a, a while now no just just that song like that was a song i wrote like years ago and then i didn't finish it till much later and then when i did the guys really liked it um and we brought it to tim like curtis has always wanted to be make it a little shorter and when t- we showed it to tim we're like yeah we can like we all like, kind of collaborated and made ways to kind of make it flow better and just hit harder and not drag out for as long as it, you, it was before mm-hmm. but um I mean, we've had like songs kind of in the works for a while that come and go, and then we'll maybe work on them again. So, I mean, I guess you could say this album's been in the works since 2016, but I would say that we didn't really officially start working on it until maybe 2019, I guess. Okay. And then did the pandemic get in the way, or did it actually help, kind of? Honestly, both. Like, originally, this album would have been out a year ago, probably, um, like in the summer of last year. And we would have been touring and doing all that stuff that we had planned. Um, having the pandemic delay everything kind of helped in terms of us, you know, not being rushed to release this album, uh, make it as perfect as we wanted it to. Um, and then the other thing that was kind of lacking beforehand was we, you know, we had all the the live shows and everything kind of planned out, but we never really had a concrete strategy of how we were going to promote this online, which is honestly probably just as important. Mm-hmm. So once that happened, uh, the pandemic, it really kind of forced us to be like, okay, well, we have all this money from this grant that we got from the government. Um, we might as well, you know, spend it towards something productive. And so we ended up like looking into uh, investing and learning more about, you know, how to promote yourself online. And a couple of questions I have from there. I actually just recently had a band on who had gotten a grant from Music BC and Creative, mm-hmm. Creative BC. Creative BC, yeah, we're in Creative BC. Okay. Um, very cool. They ended up having, uh, quite the experience as, as far as they were, they were detailing with a production team that probably normally would have taken them another 10, 15 years to earn themselves kind of thing. Um, Yeah, no, it's been great. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, Curtis was the one who basically slaved over that document and wrote it all. So he's, uh, we wouldn't have this extra money if it wasn't for him, but I also think, uh, just the fact that like we were able to get something like that uh, really, you know, helped a lot. Mm-hmm. My wife is currently gardening, and I'm in the. I was basement. like, that's, I saw the waving. I was like, oh, yeah. And she's right by the window, so she's smiling <laughs> and, and waving at me while she's in the middle of tending to the garden because we have a respite from the rain, as uh, as it would be, and so she's actually able to get into uh, the garden for a bit. So nice, yeah. It's always good when there's good weather, but Edmonton doesn't get that very often. (laughs) 
Woof. Okay. <laughs> uh, cool. Now you mentioned learning about promoting yourself online and, mm-hmm. uh, obviously I could go off for the next hour on how important that is more important than your music actually. Cause if nobody knows, 100%, it's, man. yeah, nobody knows it's there. You could write the greatest song ever, but if you don't know how to sell, you're just shit out of luck. Yep. No one's going to care. Yep. So my question is, what did you guys learn? Is there any advice you can give to other bands? Do you feel, I don't know, maybe still just as lost as you were before? Did you find something? Yeah, we found something. I actually got pretty, it's just a luck, it seems like. Um, I kind of make like lyric videos and all those little like audio visualizers on the side for our band. And I also do it for some other artists as well. And uh, one of them that I did it for, he kind of introduced me to this, um, I don't know what you would call it, but it's like an online course, I guess you could take, and it's called Indiepreneur. And so they just like have like little, like it's divided different courses. So it'll be like, you know, Spotify or Facebook, or you're learning basically ways to promote yourself on different platforms, um, how to set up like an email list and just good strategies to build. And so what I liked about this when I looked into it is that you know, I mean, the name itself, Indiepreneur, right? It's for independent artists. And so it helps, like, just this, this little guy go from no fans to building a strong, dedicated fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what genre you're in, right, they would kind of just help you, like, find your niche um, and then apply all the skills that they're teaching towards what, ha- like, applies to you. And you just see the marketing for that. But I'm a trap artist. Would it work for me? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Trap is a little garbage, so you might have a little. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. It probably works the best for you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Timmy. Uh, nobody listens to that, so no, it won't work for you. What about <laughs> Trap Country? What about Dark Trap Country? <laughs> yes. I mean, there's definitely well, that, there's a market for that for sure. <laughs> I love it, boys. Okay. Is there anything that we didn't chat about today? We chatted about working with Tim Crevison. We chatted about Evertune Bridges. We chatted about the five stages of grief for a second, and then we decided we didn't want to, so we we, we stopped doing that. <laughs> we chatted about Fish. We chatted about Phoenix. We chatted about Cascade. We chatted about bringing in the guest vocalist. We chatted about your Kemper Profiler and how you're using uh, something brown. So I'm speculating it's uh, like a, a Marshall Brown sound. Uh, Friedman Brown, I think is what it was called. Yeah. Ah, okay. So, uh, look out the town more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Friedman, he takes marshals and rewires them to be better. Whatever. Right. If, if you, if you like the way he's, he's done it. Um, and I'm not saying that like I have an opinion. I'm just saying, you know, if you don't, if you like your marshal just fine, then it doesn't need to be modded. Yeah. Uh, what else we chat about? What else was there boys? We chat about, uh, Helix. Actually, I didn't ask. Are you modeling with the Helix something that you would use in regular life? Uh, my tone is a matter of questions at this point. I don't really care about distor- distortion tones that much. I kind of let Harry pick uh, most of it and just fuck around with my tone. Uh, I've recently, I've been just getting into like making weird guitar sounds, noises. And if you go to the Line 6 website, you can actually download tones. So I downloaded like a whole bunch of like periphery, just jet tones. So I play when life comes back, maybe I'll use those. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of downloaded it online wow. and let Harry mess around with my Yeah, it's the same with Kemper too. You can get profiles from their website as well. I've, I've heard about this. And the number one thing that I heard about with the periphery 
uh, tone pack specifically are it's very light gain. And that really throws people off because they hear it on the album and a couple of things happening. Uh, Number one, we're tricking ourselves into thinking that we're hearing more gain than we are. And then the other part of it is they're probably just not playing hard enough or something. I don't know, but (laughs) did you, I mean, they also have three guitar players, so that helps. Yeah. And, well, I think you just need to be realistic here and understand that a record's never going to sound the same as like a live tone, right? Yeah, well, that's the other part of it, right? You're layering a lot the... of, yeah, yeah. Okay, you guys didn't find that you didn't download it and go this this is the worst. Thing. Not that you guys talk like that, but um, <laughs> you know this sometimes. Okay, sometimes we do. Um, I mean, for for me, the biggest disappointment was the Polyphia tone thing that I downloaded. <laughs> I downloaded this thing and just like not what I expected it to be. I'm like. Maybe it's in the play. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's probably a little bit of studio magic too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I find that a good guitar tone is uh, hard to find because you have to think about you know how's this going to sound with the rest of the band. You can't just make a good tone in your basement and be like, "This is dope," and then go to like the studio or sort of jam space <laughs> and everything just sounds like bees because you cranked your gain way too high, right? Like or- <laughs> we've all been there. We've all had crappy tones, right? But um, as you you know mature and get older, you kind of realize that. You need to find the right mix with the rest of the band and not just crank, you know, your treble and bass because you want to sound beefier and cleaner. Like, that's just not how it works. Yeah. Uh, Before the world crashed, the last uh, show that I was at, there was a local band on stage that sounded like a wild pack of dogs. And it's because their bass was so loud that their cabinet was going Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's like, unfortunate, man. And I'm like, guys, you see that guy over there with the four strings, that bass player guy who actually showed up for the gig today? <laughs> He's there to handle the bass, so just turn it down, and then I won't have to hear the entire time. That's crazy. Yeah, you should have just like let the sound guy, you know, like you don't want to turn your bass up to or your cabs up too loud. I know. Open back cabs for the win, boys. Bam. Okay. I was looking up something. What was I looking up? Oh, no, it was Monuments. Okay. I oh, had, that's a sick band, yeah. Yeah, I had received um, some multi-tracks for a band, and I couldn't remember if it was Monuments or Periphery, because I remember the whole conversation and being able to actually hear the guitar tone. And in Monuments, it wasn't crazy. Definitely wasn't, like, a crazy amount of gain, that's for sure. But, I mean... Uh, Architects is another one multi-tracks I just got for and um, yeah these are all bands that we're more than familiar with yeah and Henrik Ud did the uh, recording for Architects and it's about what you would expect you listen to the guitar tone and it's like the Lord is showering on you it's, <laughs> yeah you're like oh it sounds so good uh, cool alright sweet is there anything that I missed boys that we needed to chat about wanted to chat about I mean, keep asking questions, man. I can talk all day. I love talking about music. (laughs) (laughs) Anything to talk about, go for it. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, Cool. Well, I believe that was everything other than we didn't chat about Ruminate. Is there anything we can say about Ruminate? Oh, yeah. I mean, what isn't there to say? That song is uh, hard. It's not easy to play. uh, When I wrote it, I was like, again, that's another one of those songs that I wrote over a long period of time. I was like, new riff, new riff new riff and then eventually was like maybe i should make this song repeat uh and then i never did (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, that song would end up being like an eight-minute song if anything repeated on that thing. Yeah, so it was uh, it's a good song. I like it. Uh, it's interesting. It never gets never gets stale playing that one, but my God, was it... That, I think that was definitely the hardest one to record, too. I remember with Tim, it was like, it's not the longest song, but my God, did that take us a long time to get down. Yeah, especially if you got to tune every single note. Yeah, no, just the sheer amount of... And that was the seven string as well, too, right? And so... We're talking about Evertunes, and then you were mentioning Floyd Roses, and Floyd Rose is almost like the opposite of the Evertune. It's just that thing uh, is so hard to uh, make a perfect note with when you're uh, using the Tim Crouston standard. <laughs> like it's a little, little too much to because uh, you, you know retuning because you're, you're locking. The, like when you actually were to play, you get to lock it. So that if you want to like perfectly tune it, we were just on like constantly, you know. Mm-hmm. unlocking and redoing the strings and that was yeah a nightmare but it sounds good i like that song a lot i'm really happy with how it turned out and yeah yeah it's, uh, he didn't like the fine really he didn't like the fine tuners on the bridge he didn't trust them oh we would use those too right but like it was just you know just making sure because the intonation too is what we were looking for right so like if we were like playing a note higher in the neck we would like make sure that's perfectly in tune as well yeah the hardest part, right? And so that's where the Evertune came in handy because like the intonation was perfect no matter what. No matter what. Did he also uh, tune? have you tune based on how you would play the riff? So if it was a fast riff, you would actually hit the string fast. And if it was a slow riff, you would ring the note out to tune it? Yeah, so he would basically, yeah, he knew like every kind of trick in the bag for that. Um, it was, we, I actually recorded like everything over a year ago, so my memory is probably not as fresh as it was uh, back when I first recorded it, but from what I remember, it was like, okay, uh, we're doing like a palm mute, so we're going to record it this way, or, you know, everything that, every kind of like articulation he had a kind of strategy for. I bet he did, old, old Timster. <laughs> cool. All right, well, boys, that concludes my questions. Thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks for having us. Do it again if you ever want.